Welcome to Politicus, the only podcast that discusses politics and public service from the Portuguese-American perspective. Here we discuss everything from federal policy, local issues, and U.S.-Portugal relations with the goal of driving more discussion and awareness of the issues affecting our nation, our community, and what we as Portuguese-Americans can do about it. And now, Politicus. Welcome, everyone, to Politicus, another edition of this podcast produced by Palcus, and we are excited to have another interview with another Portuguese-American in the public world. Thanks for joining us. My name is Denise Borges, and I'm joined by our Palcus president, Angela Simões, who will be on the line as well. And we will be discussing and talking about the political world from a different perspective today with a young man by the name of Jack de Oliveira from the great state of Connecticut. Welcome, Jack. Well, how are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. Let us uh, start, if you don't mind, uh, giving us a little bit of introduction about yourself, who is uh, Jack Oliveira, and uh, a little bit of a story about how you got involved in public service. Sure. Uh, as you said, I am young, pretty young myself. I am 24 years old. I'm a first-generation Portuguese-American. Both my parents were born over in Portugal. My mom is from the Trajmonte area. Uh, she moved over here right after high school, around 17, 18. And uh, my father came over here when he was four from uh, Mortosa. Ever since I was young, I was very involved in the Portuguese community. Uh, here in uh, Nogta, Connecticut, we're a very close-knit Portuguese community. We have a lot of people. We host festivals and everything. So my whole life, I've always been involved in the Portuguese community. And um, once I got a little older, I realized I, was, uh, I like to talk a lot and debate people. So once I got to college, I looked into uh, political science, and here I am today, about six years later, and um, trying to get involved and see where, the, see where everything goes. And so your uh, involvement in the political world began in college or earlier than that? Yes. So uh, it, became, it became, began mostly in college, I should say. Mm -hmm. In college, I joined a group called Turning Point. Um, it was more of a right-wing, little conservative group. Um, that's where I started really going around, getting active in campaigns. Later on in college, I reached out to my local state representative, which also happens to be Portuguese, uh, Rosa Rabimbas, my local state representative. And um, she helped me get involved more in the political world here in Connecticut. And I'm glad for it. Sure. And your present position now in, the, in Connecticut? Um, it is known as Burgess here, but uh, in more simpler terms, I'm part of the city council here. And then um, for a full-time job, I actually work up at the Connecticut State Capitol as a legislative aide. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the legislative process in uh, the great state of Connecticut. I know that it's a one of the states where there's uh, a good number of representation, you know, uh, quite to the contrary of what we have here in California with uh, 40 million people and only, uh, you know, 80 uh, representatives. That's not the case in Connecticut. So do you mind explaining to our listeners how the political world works in, as far as the legislative body in um, in Connecticut, which is a little bit more, a little bit bigger in terms of it, you represent less and less people than we do here. You know, we have some of our state legislators that represent sometimes as much as a million people. Yes. So here uh, at the state level, each representative actually gets about 27,000 people. So um, so it's very different there. Yeah. So it's actually very nice because uh, at 27,000 people, you're actually able to get into the community and really uh, express the interest of what your constituents are looking for at the state level. So in Connecticut, it's not a full-time position, a state legislator. They're actually full-time. So um, now in the even years, 
it is a, what is known as a short session. So there are only budgetary matters that come up in this, and uh, they actually are only in session from February until May. And they only bring up things that are budgetary related, and those are the only legislative bills that are allowed to be called at the floor. Um, now, next year, it will be the odd year where it is a long session. Now, that is where all the bills are actually allowed to be called. So that's where uh, state legislators really get what their constituents are looking for and bring up those bills. Um, now, a long session is still shorter than normal. It's only six months. It's from January until July. I mean, January till June, I apologize. And during those six months, it's very hectic. Uh, as you can imagine, um, as in California, I'm sure it's a full-time legislator. So we're there every day working. Um, here, you only have six months to get the whole process going. That is from the committee meetings to the public hearings to the, the bills getting raised on the floor to the drafting of the language to hoping the bills pass both the, the House chamber, the Senate chamber, and then the governor's table. And uh, if not, then they will be coming back for a veto session. But um, it's a little different than most states as you can really get down and help your local constituents because you really only have to focus on those 27,000 people. So you have, yeah, a little bit more of a direct contact with them as well. And as a as someone who work, works in the legislative process, so do you represent uh, as an aide one uh, of the legislators or several? Or how does that work? It's several uh, uh, for us. I represent personally four of them. Some people range from four to six. Uh, I represent four. And then at the local level for um, city council, uh, I represent about roughly 32,000. I represent there the whole town of Naugatuck, mm -hmm. which is a little bit bigger than what each state representative gets. So at that level, um, I get a little more exposure to people that live in uh, two different state representative districts. And what are some of the issues that you have to deal with as far as a, as a uh, city councilman? What are some of the local issues that are kind of the, that you're dealing with at this time anyway? Uh, Naugatuck has always been a manufacturing town. And um, after you know, the, the Second World War, more when uh, manufacturing started moving down south, we started facing a little bit more economic troubles. So currently the biggest economic uh, problem that Naugatuck faces is getting more business in. You know, it's a problem that most people face across America, but Naugatuck was very big on manufacturing. So getting back uh, big business, uh, big manufacturing plants, things where people, you know, will go to work every day and look to live in Naugatuck and live close to where they, where they work. So that's more of the biggest issue as well as taxes. Uh, Connecticut is now known as a very big tax state. And uh, that is a, probably the number one thing I hear from constituents every day at the local and state level is uh, the amount of taxes burden that they face. You mentioned on the onset that, uh, you know, your first generation, uh, so born here, but of parents who immigrated uh, at a young age from Portugal. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Portuguese American community in your city and your, in your area. As you mentioned, the community in the state of Connecticut is really close to the community. I would agree with that from what I know from the community. Tell us a little bit about uh, in your city in particular. Um, my city, Naugatuck, is very heavily populated with Portuguese people. I reside with my grandma, and where she lives, her, her street alone has about seven or eight Portuguese people that live on it. And in our town, we have an annual Portuguese Mirror of the Day. We have the annual Sampaio Festival, which happens on Labor Day weekend. And uh, we also have a Portuguese club mm -hmm. in Naugatuck, as well as our next suburb over in Waterbury, mm -hmm. um, where they have a Portuguese church where I went my whole life, uh, Our Lady of Fatima. And um, it's a very, very big Portuguese community here. 
And um, it's great to see everyone get out. We, uh, when we look at uh, the Portuguese American community throughout the United States, sometimes what some of the other folks that we've had the, these uh, conversations with, sometimes folks would wish that the Portuguese Americans were a little bit more involved in the political process than they have been, particularly the first generation, not so much your, your generation. But the immigrants, uh, like your parents, like myself, uh, like many others who came from Portugal at a young age or even at an older age, is there a little bit more of an involvement? Have you seen that change in the, your area? I would agree with you in saying that it is still a little tougher to get that generation out. Um, I have personally seen a change in my area um, only because my area has been represented by a Portuguese legislator now at the state level for almost 10 years. I believe that helped get more people involved in the process, knowing that they have somebody at the state level that can help make a difference for them. But I do agree with you. I, I try very hard to get out there and get as many Portuguese people to vote as possible. And it's surprising to know that a lot of Portuguese people aren't even registered to vote um, when they have that right to do that. So it, it's definitely a problem that I, I see, but not as much in my area as other places. Do you think it's changing with uh, between a drastic change anyway, uh, or somewhat of a change, hopefully, between your parents and my generation, I would think, and the younger generations, those in their 20s and 30s? Um, I do see a difference. I feel uh, the younger generations... Um, we can describe them as millennials mm -hmm. up to 35. But I, I definitely see them getting out, getting involved in the process more. I feel that the way uh, media is nowadays, everyone is involved in the political process, even if they're not really trying, just from scrolling through social media and seeing comments or ads or anything. So I do believe that since uh, my, uh, this millennial generation is more surrounded by it, they do have a, a more desire to get out and actually get involved, knowing what the consequences could be if they don't get involved. Right. It's always interesting because uh, we sometimes take a back seat in politics and uh, we should have the front seat. And uh, it, it would be much uh, better, I believe, for the Portuguese American community if we would have many other Portuguese Americans uh, in state, in local government, such as yourself and even school boards and things like that were local decisions. Because a lot of times people look at Congress or they look at the Senate and they wish we would have, which we do, a Portuguese American, one in the Senate and three in the Congress, but which we would have more, but a lot of the decisions are made at the local level, and uh, it would be important. Uh, what would you say to young people that are in, getting involved in politics and sometimes don't see the, the outcomes that they would like to at, at a local level? Wouldn't it be important to start at a local level? Yes, um, I completely agree. And I, uh, as you were saying, young people with a struggle, I, I understand when I sit at the table, I'm the youngest person by uh, 25 years. So when I get out there and, you know, speak on things, many of them have more wisdom than me or they, they have more experience, but they don't see the other perspective, and, which is what we're taught when we're younger. So what I tell the younger generation is, hey, you know, you're going to get out there and you're going to take a beating and sometimes people are going to disagree with you. But the more you stay there, the more you be persistent, the more you tell your story or tell your ideas or your objectives to other people and explain what you're really trying to accomplish people are going to find a common ground with you. And once you find that common ground, that's where you have to start and lay your foundation. And that's where you can go ahead and start to really work on what is important to you. My biggest thing is I always tell them, try to find the common ground. Um, people are always looking for a common ground. You, you know, the, I disagree with people on my board all the time. We have d conflicting views, but at the end of the day, we try to find common ground to try to move along what's best for the community. And 
young people, older people, no matter what, everyone wants what's best for the community. So that's what I try to really tell the younger generation to focus on when they go into meetings or try to get their point across. As you mentioned in your state, some of the issues that uh, you were dealing with, whether it be taxation, whether it be, of course, uh, job growth and new manufacturing opportunities uh, or new manufacturing uh, companies for people to have a job close by. Do you feel these are the same issues for Portuguese Americans or do you think uh, our community has other specific issues? I, I believe our community has many issues, um, highly also dependent on where you reside. Um, I'm sure the issue, uh, Portuguese people have common issues at the end of the day. Um, I heard just the Portuguese president saying last week there's to uh, President Trump, there's 1.4 million Luso-Americans here. And everyone, you know, is looking to get to better themselves, a better goal. And the issues that are Portuguese face out in California and the issues mm -hmm. Portuguese face here in Connecticut definitely differ. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I feel the, the biggest goal Portuguese Americans are trying to achieve is to get Portuguese Americans more involved, whether that be at the local level, state level, or national level, because we don't want to lose that tradition that we've established here in America. I feel that's the most important issue. So in terms of getting involved, and you mentioned that in your area, some aren't even registered to vote. And I know that in some other communities, they have held you know, registration drives and things like that. Do you think that those work? Have you done those in your area? Do you plan on doing them? What would be other ways to get people to involved, you know, to, to be involved and, and pay more attention? Um, I have not personally gone yet and done a, a voter drive, but I do believe that is one of the best ways to do that, as well as get involved in all the Portuguese community events. Portuguese people like to see Portuguese people around. You know, they don't want to just hear your name somewhere. They want to see you. They want to see you get involved. So um, going, getting down to the local Portuguese club and um, hosting a segment every once a month or every three months on just the new issues that maybe they have or make sure you attend um, the Portuguese events that go on. Like I was saying to you, we have the annual Sampaio event, just go around shaking people's hands. And um, I think the biggest thing, which a lot of people think doesn't work anymore, but I, it's just getting out and knocking on those people's doors. I believe really seeing people face to face is what's going to get them out to vote because then they really feel um, what you're out there trying to do for them. Mm -hmm. And beyond um, Representative Rubimbus and yourself, are there other Portuguese in the legislature or on city council? Yes, in, in the legislature, there are, they are not four Portuguese, but there are two other, um, I should say, sorry about that, three other part Portuguese legislators. And at the local level, we don't have anyone in the city council, but we do have a Portuguese person at the planning commission. So we are really working on trying to get more Portuguese people involved. Um, it's, we just got to get out there and get them to run is, is the main mm -hmm. thing. Recently, we had a Palcus National Survey not uh, too long ago, and one of the issues that uh, we found that had a commonality between all the different states where the Portuguese American community resides is the, this, uh, this desire uh, amongst especially the first generation, second generations, and, and somewhere, I'm sure, in Connecticut as well, here in California and some parts of New England, we have uh, people of third and even fourth and sometimes even fifth generations. And the commonality between all generations, once we buy past, of course, uh, partisanship and, you know, and, 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 and ideology was the need to foster the Portuguese language and culture in, in the communities. Uh, how do you see that uh, as part of uh, your community there in uh, Connecticut? 
I 100% agree with you on that statement. Um, that is the most important thing. I've seen the Portuguese community dwindle um, since I've been in Connecticut, uh, and it's it's kind of um, sad to see, but it, it's we're trying to re revitalize it. And um, as you were saying, uh, we have Our Lady of Fatima festivals, or uh, Sampai, where you used to have thousands of people, and now they're 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 shrinking and. The key thing are they, are they shrinking, get, Jack, because people are moving to other states, or are they shrinking because people are becoming much more Americanized and less involved in the culture and the language? It's the, the Americanization and less involved okay. in the language. Um, I know I went to, when I went to church, it was a Portuguese church in our CCD. I had about 30 kids in my grade, and I would say maybe now about 10 of them attend the festivals. And it's just more of them are, they're just getting exposed to the more Americanization, so they're going to other events, or they're not going with their parents to the Portuguese events because it's, you know, it's old school or something to them. And the key is if we're not going to, this young generation isn't going to go, their kids aren't going to go or anyone's going to go. So I do believe it's very important to start fostering the post, uh, Portuguese language again in the younger generations. And I know myself, I sometimes have to drag my friends to come to the festival that, that are Portuguese. Like, Hey, you guys don't want to go anymore. Uh, not really. We're kind of over that. And I'm, and I said, if we're, if we're over this, there's not going to be another generation that's going to come to this because we will be the end. Um, we have to continue getting people out here and coming to this. And I do believe it's just more of the Americanization of, of people and social media and everyone just looking to connect with their friends that aren't Portuguese that don't look to come to the events. Here in California, we have kind of an issue where you have sometimes the uh, older generation, the immigrant generation who is now in their late 50s and 60s still at the realm of the organizations and don't give young people sometimes a chance to kind of, you know, do their own thing. Does that happen somewhat in your area as well or not? Yeah, I do see that being a problem as well. Um, here in my town it's more the 50s 60s as well as the mm -hmm. 70s um a lot of them stay there so it's a lot of kids grandfathers or fathers that are in charge and they do take that as you know my father is the one in charge i'm really not going to have say as you're saying so i do kind i do see that being a problem and a stigma at the moment another another thing that we've seen try to happen in other organ in other states and communities to bring back the younger generations is um having different types of events, right? So it's not just the festas and the Holy Ghost and things like that, even though those are still very important. And, you know, even I go to them and things like that, but not, like you said, you know, some people say oh, I'm over that or I'm not too interested. Has there been an attempt at all to do maybe, you know, a Portuguese wine tasting or a father events? I know we're sort of getting into a cultural conversation here and this is really, even though this is a political podcast, but um, I think it's important conversation about the community and the dynamics and where it's going. So I'm curious as to there in Connecticut, you know, some of those, those younger generations that, that aren't interested in going to the fest anymore. Do you think they would be interested in going to something else that was a little more modern or wouldn't? Uh, yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, as soon as you said that it was uh, something that clicked into my mind of why haven't I thought of that yet? I do believe getting more, uh, other specific events for our millennials that are interested in would be key. So, you know, Portuguese wine tastings with cheese or something. Um, we, there is not many, much of that around here at the moment. Um, it's more of just formalized events where the older generations attend and the younger generations kind of go either because they're forced to, or because they know somebody there. Um, but there isn't, there hasn't been really the, the biggest push to, um, to drive new Portuguese culture. Well, we've just given you an action item. 
<laughs> Jack. There, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that is something we do in the UK, so I love it. Returning to the political world, as Angela mentioned, um, so the, the, the participation is getting better in, in your perspective, you know, Portuguese Americans voting, registering and voting, and there's a, there's a, a need. Do you see uh, in, the, in the near future, you know, of course, six months in politics sometimes is a lifetime, but do you see um, more Portuguese Americans wanting to get involved in not just running for office, but doing what you do, you know, as a professional in the state legislature? I do. I do. Um, and the big thing I see now is the, the Portuguese people that I've been speaking to, the younger Portuguese people, the ones I see get involved, they're very involved. They don't just uh, come to the events and sit there on the side. They come to the events and ask what they can do, and they try to get involved. So I do see a shift of more P Portuguese people getting involved in office because I feel the Portuguese people that are looking to become in office will succeed at their dream to get in there because they are working hard and efficiently to do it. Um, I know here in uh, Connecticut, the, when now the Portuguese community, when they hear someone else is running, they look to their left or they look to their right, see who they know in that town and, you know, try to tell somebody there, Hey, there's someone Portuguese running. So the word of mouth is still a big thing. People want to see Portuguese people in there, but I do feel the younger generation will see more Portuguese people because of the work ethic that we have to tr make sure that we get ourselves involved. In some states, and enlighten us a little bit on what the current laws and situation in Connecticut uh, are. In some states, um, it takes just a lot of money, for example, here in California, in Massachusetts, other states. But especially here in California, it just takes a whole lot of money even to run for a local office. Is there, is, is because there's a little bit more of a direct involvement with, you know, with just a, a little over 20,000 uh, people that you represent, is it uh, really cost prohibitive or is it something that uh, most people can get involved in running a political campaign? I do believe most people can get involved. Um, to run an effective, I would say, state campaign, you would know, we'd probably be talking the five figure range anywhere between 10 and I would say $30,000 to run a, very, a pretty successful campaign. Um, because like you said, you know most people directly. Now at the local level, um, I didn't spend more than $5,000, but I made sure I hit the streets because like you were saying, it was it's more, people know who you are. So it's more reassuring them on what you are really trying to do over the other person's reassurance. Right. And here as well as uh, something that the Portuguese American community is involved as well, because if one doesn't want to run for office, obviously uh, campaign donations or getting involved in that aspect, you, you foresee also the Portuguese community getting more involved in that aspect in the aspect of uh, participating in the political process through political uh, donations and other things like that. I, I do. Um, I would say from first hand experience, I saw it myself. I know some Portuguese people that really haven't got out there before, um, heard that, you know, a young Portuguese kid was running and they were willing to try to do what they can to help sure, make sure I got elected. As well as uh, one thing I really try to tell people is if you were uh, Portuguese people, they're hard workers. A lot of them were involved in unions back in the day, especially mm -hmm. here in, in my area. And I always try to tell them, even when you paid your union dues, you're paying for something political. They were, they were, trying to get you, you know, something, they were lobbying for something for you at, at the legislator's level. So even if you feel you haven't paid into politics before, you, you have already. Um, and then I always try to tell them, you know, why not pay into a Portuguese person that's willing to forward what we are looking for together, you know, a common goal. So um, I do see them getting more involved, though, uh, in the campaign aspect, even donation-wise. 
as we come up on the end of our podcast, uh, Angela, I don't know if you have any other questions, but uh, no, just uh, I, you know, end with the last bit of advice. If you have anything to offer young people out there, or even don't have to be young, anybody that has been feeling like they want to get more involved lately, um, what would be your advice in terms of next steps? Where do they start? They don't want to run for office. Maybe they do. I don't know. But what would be a good next step for them to just get, get the ball rolling? Um, my number one thing is always get involved at the grassroots level. Get to local meetings if you want to get involved, even if they're not political meetings, uh, attend local board meetings. Do what you can to you know, make your opinion heard by somebody that uh, is involved. And if you don't want to get involved in that way, my other thing is persistence. As long as you uh, persist, uh, if you actually are looking to get an office, I should say, if you are looking to get an office, persistence is key. If you go out there and you're persistent on knocking on those doors and listening to what your constituents have to say and actually working to develop a goal or a solution to a problem that they have and you're persistent on it, the drive and everything else will come with that persistence. And I, I believe that's what got me through my campaign. And I believe that's what get many Portuguese Americans who are hardworking and have that ethic to, and drive to become what they want to become. Well, thank you so much, Jack. Best of luck to you. I'm I'm sure that you will be involved in the political world starting at the age of uh, early 20s for, for a very, very long time. And who knows, maybe the next time we'll talk to you, you'll be a candidate for governor. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks very much. No problem. You guys have a great one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Angela, for being part of the podcast. Thanks to Palkus and uh, everyone who uh, listens. Uh, please subscribe to iTunes or SoundCloud. Please uh, pass on the information to your family and friends. Please let us know if you have any questions or any suggestions on anyone who is involved in the political world, both uh, in the East and West Coast and throughout the 48 continuous states where we have lots of Portuguese Americans involved in the political process. Again, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Politicus. Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palkus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palkus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palkus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palkus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palkus at palkus.org. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus.